This week on Business Brief, we'll hear from the CEO of a mental health technology company that recently raised millions of dollars in funding. Then, we'll take a look at the current situation regarding affordable housing in Missouri. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mayorka. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. I'm definitely enjoying the uh, the sunny, albeit cold, weather after the downpour we had here in Columbia. But you have had uh, you've had quite the adventures this week, I hear. Yeah, I was actually uh, in New York for a few days um, on a business journalism trip, and I got to visit the New York Stock Exchange yesterday, um, which was Wednesday, which is pretty pretty cool. So, yeah, I've had an exciting few days, but I'm excited to get back into things. Very, very cool, and we will get back around to the Stock Exchange in a little bit here on Business Brief. But are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Absolutely. Let's do it. Federal Reserve meeting minutes released Wednesday showed that officials expect interest rate hikes to continue despite signs that inflation is steadying. The central bank hopes to bring inflation down to its target rate of 2 percent, and policymakers agreed that ongoing rate hikes will be necessary to reach that goal. Ahead of Wednesday's release, major stock indexes suffered their biggest losses in more than two months amid worries of interest rates continuing to rise. Boeing announced plans Thursday to cease production of the F-A-18 Super Hornet jet as early as 2025. The Navy fighter jet has been a staple of Boeing's St. Louis defense business since it debuted in 1983. The Super Hornet program employs more than 1,500 people, the majority of which are based in the St. Louis area. Boeing said it still plans to hire in St. Louis over the next five years. Lawmakers gave federal approval to a nearly $630 million spending bill that would increase Missouri's state employee paychecks by 8.7 percent. Governor Mike Parson championed the bill and requested that lawmakers deliver it to his desk by March 1st. The legislative approval means that lawmakers met this deadline. The city of St. Charles shut down a sixth drinking water well due to chemical contamination this week, leaving just one well in operation. The contamination is linked to cleaning products used decades ago at an Ameren substation. Mayor Dan Borgmeyer and other St. Charles officials have demanded that Ameren spend about $40 million to move the city's wells away from the groundwater contamination. But both St. Charles and Ameren are waiting to hear more from federal officials next week. Missouri senators discussed legislation Monday that would allow people who were wrongly convicted to claim damages from the state for their time behind bars. If passed, these bills would use the state's legal expense fund to compensate individuals up to $179 for every day they were incarcerated. Compensation would be capped at $65,000 per year. Currently, Missouri only compensates exonerated individuals who have proved their innocence through DNA evidence, and compensation is capped at a little more than $18,000 per year. The Missouri Senate gave initial approval to an extension for health care services through Medicaid for postpartum women on Tuesday. Under current law, eligible mothers can only receive benefits from the beginning of their pregnancy until 60 days after delivery. If passed, the new law would expand services to up to one year after giving birth. Missouri ranks 37th out of 50 states for the health of women and children. And the bill faces an additional vote in the Senate before moving to the House for consideration. Business Brief will continue after this short advertisement. Are you ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's inspirational voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, The inaugural That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Accounting Plus, will feature the powerful stories of women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support True North of Columbia. 
Find us at facebook.com slash she said Como and purchase your tickets now for an event you're sure to remember long after the curtain closes. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. next story, we'll hear from the CEO of Columbia-based mental health biofeedback company Helium, which recently raised $3.6 million from investors. Very interesting. So what does the company do? It gathers physical information, including heart rate or brainwaves, from fitness trackers and uses it to create a meditation experience in virtual reality. Its goal is to help a user focus or calm down before a stressful event. CEO Sarah Hill developed the technology with Dr. Jeff Tarrant in 2016. Got it. So... $3.6 million. Is that a lot of funding? Well, according to a news release, it was one of the largest private funding rounds for a woman-owned business in mid-Missouri. But Hill said the funding is actually low in comparison to her peers. Pitchbook data shows companies founded solely by women received just 2% of total capital invested in venture-backed startups in the U.S. last year. Hill talked with Missouri Business Alert reporter Thomas Gleason more about the funding. Here's part of that conversation. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Helium. Yeah, thanks for coming on the call. My first question for you is, what is your elevator pitch for Helium? So Helium is a relaxation tool and a drugless solution to downshift your nervous system before stressful events or sleep. What is Helium looking to grow with this new funding? You might have heard of generative AI. Um, it's a, a relatively new term in technology circles, but... Helium is looking to use our data more strategically, and um, our patents and, and technology work by, you know, combining biometric data like heart rate or brain patterns and allowing you to modify or recommend 3D assets according to those heart rate and brain patterns. And so, you know, going forward in the future, uh, we'll be you know, using generative AI a lot uh, in order to recommend assets to the user using our technology. And another question, I read that this is one of the largest private equity raises for a woman-owned business in mid-Missouri. Does that mean anything to you? What kind of impact does this have on the way you perceive what you're doing? In the grand scheme of things, $3.6 is a relatively low raise, Right. Look at the raises of all the other companies in Missouri that make news, tens of millions of dollars, right? So the fact that that's one of the largest private equity raises for, it's kind of sad. And so, you know, that's the greater um, story and, and headline that we want to get across that you know, for every founder that raised $3.6 million, there are hundreds of female founders in our community who also lack, who lack access to venture capital and are waiting for, um, you know, trying to claw through those concrete ceilings and, and, you know, allow people to just discover 
their products and their service-based businesses. Do you have any sort of advice for how the state could better prepare or better diversify entrepreneurship and get more women into those funding opportunities? Fund the ecosystem. Uh, you know, those groups, uh, and we listed, you know, all of them in the media release that helped us. The Mizzou Entrepreneurship Legal Clinic was huge for us um, in helping us secure our patents. Um, the Missouri Innovation Center was, you know, huge for us. Uh, the Casey Rise Fund in Kansas City, um, you know, a great connection resource in addition to funding, um, but also to, you know, tell, telling the stories. You know, women need to see other women, you know, get, getting to the, fin the, the finish line and having successful exits because, um, you know, once they, they see more of those stories, they can see themselves in those stories. For our next story, we'll take a look at the status of affordable housing in Columbia, which has been in short supply the past few years. I'm joined by Missouri Business Alert reporter Kelly DeRook, who spoke with area experts on the topic. Kelly, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So jumping right into it, can you explain the current situation with affordable housing in Columbia? Well, in short, there are not enough houses available for rent at price points that are affordable for people in lower income brackets. Also, the supply of homes for sale below $100,000 has significantly dropped, meaning that those looking to build generational wealth through homeownership are stuck renting homes if they can find something in their price range. Got it. And what other effects is this having in the economy? In some cases, it's exacerbating the shortage of workers in the service industry. With a shortage of affordable housing, workers earning minimum wage can't find housing in the city and are unable to fill vacant positions, according to experts I talked to. Adding to the shortage, many houses that could have been purchased or rented out at lower rates are being converted to short-term rentals. Jane Williams, who's the executive director of local community outreach organization Love Columbia, explains how Airbnbs are cutting into the housing supply. There's debates about whether the Airbnb is a huge problem or just, you know, a factor. But I think, as surprisingly, we've had a lot of Airbnbs start in Central City in Columbia. And that's typically been affordable housing. And how long has this been an issue in Columbia? Well, experts in the city say that there's been a shortage for quite some time now. But it has dramatically worsened since the pandemic. Williams said that demand for Love Columbia's assistance has more than doubled in the past two years. It's felt much more like an emergency room uh, since the pandemic. And we've actually um, gone from serving about a thousand uh, households a month in 2020 to 2200 in 2022. What are some of the other factors contributing to this housing shortage? Well, the housing market has been very volatile in the past year. Last year, home prices were soaring and houses were sometimes sold within days of being listed. As the mortgage rates have increased, buying a home through credit has become more expensive, but home prices haven't de declined significantly. As Williams explains, rent and home prices remain a barrier to finding affordable housing. Rent in Columbia has gone up 20% in the last year and a half. The amount of affordable housing stock has shrunk because property owners sold property uh, people have bought it, fixed it up so that it's not priced at the same price point. 
So tell me, what are local organizations doing to address these issues? Through organizations like Love Columbia, unhoused families are usually placed in hotels for a short time until housing has been located. The organization is also working to establish its own transitional housing facilities to provide shelter to those in lodging limbo. Other organizations like the Columbia Housing Authority provide housing vouchers to qualified applicants that will guarantee rent payments through funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. However, qualifying for the vouchers doesn't mean that there will be housing available immediately. Randy Cole, who's the CEO of the Columbia Housing Authority, explains the situation. Right now, our wait list is over 1,000 households, pull about 50 to 100 per month. Uh, so if someone got on our wait list now that was not elderly or disabled, you know, it might be four to six months before they're issued a voucher. So it will be a bit of time. And what does the workload look like for these organizations? Well, with the dwindling supply of housing and a growing list of people needing shelter, both the Columbia Housing Authority and Love Columbia have their work cut out for them. Randy Cole shares his insights about the path forward in matching families to affordable homes. We just need to to think of comprehensive approaches as communities to uh, preserve and expand uh, the availability of affordable housing. And that's something that definitely is not going to be done overnight or even in a year. It's going to take a very significant and directed commitments over a, a long period of time to get our housing supply to catch up to the need. Looking towards the future, both organizations have projects in the works to help match families with houses and provide temporary lodging when suitable quarters are located. Well, thanks, Kelly, for taking the time to talk. Sure, anytime. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, this week I actually have a phrase, texting while driving. Okay, and what does that have to do with Missouri? Well, Missouri is one of just two states that don't totally prohibit texting while driving. Currently, it's only illegal to text and drive if a driver is under the age of 21. Wow, that's surprising. Yes, it is. And experts say it's also dangerous. A 2020 report found that texting while driving accounted for 13% of all distracted driving accidents that resulted in fatalities. In Missouri, drivers using a cell phone were involved in more than 2,000 crashes in 2021. Okay, and are lawmakers trying to change that? Yes. A new bill looks to ban texting while driving for all Missouri drivers. If passed, drivers would face a $50 fine for their first offense and two points added to their record. The penalty would increase for additional offenses within a two-year period. Is it just cell phone use that would be illegal? Not quite. Watching movies or streaming video from in-car devices would also be banned for drivers under the proposed legislation. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is remote work. Interesting. So why is that in the news again? Well, a handful of Missouri cities topped a recent Wall Street Journal list of the best U.S. cities for remote work. Springfield ranked number one, and Joplin came in second place. Plus, Kansas City and St. Louis ranked in the top ten. Wow. Honestly, I would have thought the best place to remote work was from a beach. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd think so too. But while most people think of resort destinations as popular spots to remote work from, the list took more practical factors into account, like the cost of living, availability of high-speed internet, proximity to an airport, and the number of restaurants or parks in a city. Huh. And how did the Wall Street Journal come up with those factors? The list is based on the top 10 factors people said they cared about most in remote work location in a national poll from August 2022. 
For a closing thought, here's Helium CEO Sarah Hill again with some advice to entrepreneurs who are facing rejection while working to raise funding. Sometimes no's are data that will ultimately lead you to a yes. So what I mean by that is in all of these conversations with um, investors, uh, you just have to keep keep going because they, you know, in telling you no, ask for why. Uh, you know, some funds would just, you know, say no, but they wouldn't tell you why. So I would always circle back with them and say, hey, can you give us some feedback? You know, what is it, was it, is it our, our product? Is it our target market? You know, what, what is it uh, um, that it is you're not able to, to invest? And that feedback is really valuable. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Tenny Mallorca, editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.